This is a free download from the Lancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Lancey Eden Church building at the bank in Stockton in the China Island of Jersey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at thelancetewland.co.uk. Corinthians 3 and verse 17. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking this whole idea, this whole thought of, uh, of transformation. I think that's such a powerful word, transformation. I kind of like the Greek word because I can say it, uh, which is metamorphosis. And this is an incredible thing where God changes from one form to another form, total, complete change of form. And that's what we've been thinking about. We've looked at the God changes us, transforms us by the renewing of our minds. Amen? The way you think affects, really, the way you are. As a man thinketh, so he is. So if your thinking's wrong... You'll be wrong. So we've got to learn to change the way we think. And last time we looked at this fact that we, we need to know who we are in Christ. We're, we're transformed when we really know who we are, our identity, who we are in Christ. That's such a vital thing. I think so many people don't really know who they are. And because we, have, we don't know our identity, we struggle with insecurity because insecurity is being secure in the wrong thing. Okay? But security comes by knowing who you are in Christ. Can you say amen? So that's that sense of knowing who we are in Christ. And the more we realize that, the more we recognize that, the more that gets a grip of our lives, the more that begins to transform us. And I want to speak this morning from this verse. It's a powerful verse on, on transformation again. What a powerful verse and a powerful truth on how to really be truly transformed. You know, I believe a heart transformed can change the world. I really believe that. I'm so convinced. You know, John Wesley had this incredible revelation of truth that if God could change his heart, he could change a whole nation. Isn't that amazing? And he literally shook the whole nation because he realized the power of a transformed heart. And I believe it's true of us. If we want to transform the island, guess where it begins? It begins with a transformed church, is that right? And a transformed church has to begin with transformed people. And transformed people has to brings about a transformed family. And a transformed family begins when God transforms us. So if God can transform you, amazing the impact that can have. Who knows as God transforms you that your transformed heart can transform a whole island. Can you say amen? I really believe that. I don't think God needs thousands and thousands of people to change this island. He just needs a group of people who've been transformed by the power of God. Amen? And that's going to change the island. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says... Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When you get to notice that word liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror, the glory. There's another word there. The glory of the Lord. As we behold it, basically, in a mirror, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? One thing that a transformed heart really leads. One of the ways you know and the way you measure how transformed you are is how liberated you are, how free you are. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there there is what? Liberty, freedom. You know what freedom is? Freedom is to be all that God called you to be. That's what real liberty is. That's what real freedom is. It's being, having the ability to become all that God wants you to become. That word freedom there means without restrictions. I love that. 
without regulations, law or traditions. So here's what I mean, really. Something in our hearts is I really want to be able to really worship. But if our hearts aren't transformed, and we're not in a place of liberty and freedom, and if, if, we're, if we're still bound by things, then we're never truly able to worship as we really want to worship because we're still bound. We're still restricted. Maybe you would love to be in your heart a truly generous person. But as long as things bind us and hold us, we're never able to be the generous kind of people that we want to be. We're never able to be the witness we want to be. We can't witness because maybe we're bound by fear and we're concerned of what people think about us. And even though we want to witness, because of lack of liberty, we can't be the witness we want to be. We can't walk in the kind of level of love we want to walk because maybe we're bound by unforgiveness and bitterness and those things hinder us and hold us from experiencing the love the walk of love that God wants us to have. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's the ability to be all that God calls you to be. A living a life without restrictions, without limitations, without things holding us down. And that's where transformation really happens. I believe Jesus was the most freer person you could ever meet. He was totally free. No limitations, no restrictions. He could love, he could serve, he could worship, he could be all the Father had called him to be because he lived in total and complete and utter freedom. That's what God wants for you. A totally free life. Imagine right now, what could your life be if that restriction wasn't in your heart right now? What kind of person could you be if that fear didn't grip you? What kind of person could you be if that inferiority didn't grip your heart? What kind of person could you be if maybe that envy wasn't in your heart or that bitterness wasn't in your heart? Imagine the person that you could be. How many want liberty and freedom? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is a life without restriction. Can you say amen? And notice what he goes to say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And he talks about beholding in a mirror. Looking in a mirror. Now, we all love to look at mirrors and look at our, how amazingly good looking we are and how awesome we look. And every morning you look in that mirror and say, how awesome am I? How awesome? How, what a great looking person. And here we're told this, looking in a mirror. If you like a mirror, if you like, reflect something. Every time you look in a mirror, you see a perfect reflection of who you are. This mirror is talking about looking into the mirror of Jesus. And when I gaze at this mirror of Jesus, two things happen. Number one, I'm transformed and changed. Secondly, I begin to reflect the image I see. And that's powerful. Because what you see, you reflect. You see, if I look at myself, and all I see is my inferiority, that's what I will re reflect in my conversation and my lifestyle. I will reflect that. I will reflect a, I will reflect a inferior person. If I look into that image, and, and, and I see myself, and, and, and I see you know, the various things in me, if I see my insecurities, I begin to reflect that in the way I speak, the way I act, 
the way I respond to life. Because the very reflection I behold is the reflection I begin to reflect in my life. Can you see that? Now, here's the great thing. If I behold and look at Jesus, and I really get that gaze deep inside my heart, I really gaze on Jesus, I behold him, I look at him, I gaze on him, and that becomes my attention and my focus. Then what I'm gazing on, I begin to reflect that around me. I reflect Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I reflect his love. I reflect his joy. I reflect his peace. I reflect as he is. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. It's all down to what you're gazing at, what you're looking at. I was afraid, only if you understood something about the sort of the Bible times, New Testament times in particular. You know what? It must have been awful for you ladies because they never had the amazing mirrors we had today. All they had was basically polished metal. That's what they looked at. Can you imagine? How would you straighten your hair? How would you put your makeup on with a kind of a mirror that's, that, that's a little bit kind of not an exact reflection because it's like shiny metal? And here's the, like the encouraging thing. The Bible says we see dimly. There's this word, the word dim reflection. And that kind of encourages me to think, how many have ever had times with God and it's been really heavy going? Ever been there? You've prayed, you had your time with God, you read your scriptures, oh, but oh, it was heavy going. It was almost a, a dim experience that you had right there. It wasn't the kind of awesome kind of experience that you thought it would be. You prayed and it seemed so heavy going, nothing seemed much to happen. I'm here to tell you that even if you get a, a dim reflection, a dim experience, if you like, that is enough to transform your life. Just to be in the presence of God, even though it may be a dim experience, it may be in a hard, tough time, yet that has the potential to incredibly change your life. Can you say amen? Now look at this word. So we see through a, a, a dim reflection, and it says we see through unveiled faces. That means, an unveiled face means when I come into the presence of God, I don't come begging I don't come in some condemnation attitude. I come with boldness. I come with confidence. Because as I come with confidence and boldness, it's rooted in my understanding and the finished work of the cross. I come with that sense of boldness and confidence before God. And secondly, it means to have an unveiled face, means I come with honesty. I don't cover up. I don't pretend that everything's right when it's not right. I open my heart and say, God, this is the way my heart really is. I'm not covering it up. I'm not living a life of pretense. This is how my heart really is. And as I come with confidence, with an unveiled condition before God, then I begin to encounter the incredible, transformed walk of God. Amen. And he uses this word, beholding. This to me I put it this way, is the principle of heart transformation. Beholding. Beholding. Get a hold of that word. I behold. I behold. In other words, what I behold, I become. What I behold. What I behold, I become. If I behold God as a stingy, mean God, that's what I become. But if I behold his glory, I become glorious. I think one of the great definitions of David, and I kind of think, what an awesome thing. 
for this to be said over someone's life. And God said it over him. God said over David, he was a man after my own heart. Isn't that awesome? That God could look at some man's life and say, when I look at him, I see a man after my own heart. How did David become a man after God's own heart? Do you know how? It says in the Psalms, he says, I, there's one thing I've desired of the Lord, that I may behold his glory. I may behold God. And the more he beheld the character of God, the more it transformed him and he became a person after God's own heart. Isn't that wonderful? And that can be true of you and I. To behold who God is transforms your life. It says to behold his glory. And there's two things. I want us to get a hold of that word glory. There's two things. Here's the first thing. I think that word glory means the fiery emotions of God's heart. So I behold the fiery emotions of God's heart. And as I behold the fiery emotions of God's heart, it so works in my heart, it transforms me. That's what I mean by that. I mean, if I behold God's passion for me, it will so impact my heart, I also will have passion for God. I love him because what? He first loved me. As I behold the fiery affections of God's love for me, that so begins to impact my heart, it changes my heart to enable me to be a person of love. I think one of the greatest revelations is simply this. To behold the fact that God really enjoys you. How many people really believe God enjoys them? Do you perceive that God really doesn't really enjoy you very much? He kind of puts up with you. He kind of, you know, he doesn't really look forward to you coming before him very much. And there's almost this sense that God doesn't really enjoy you. If you've never had a revelation that God enjoys you, you're never really able to enjoy God. But when I get a revelation that God actually enjoys me, it so transforms my heart that I begin to enjoy God and I begin to receive all the things he has for me. When I behold God's commitment to me, it's not really hard for me to be totally committed to him. In other words, what I behold in God, I become. Do you see that? So I think this is the key there. If we never behold the passion God has for me, I'm not liable to be a person of passion. If I never really behold how awesome, how amazing, how incredible his love is for me, it's not liable to affect my heart enough to cause my heart to be full of fiery love. And this is what Paul's saying. If I would behold God's heart for me, the fiery emotions, the heart of God for me, it will, it's so impacting, it's so transforming, it changes your heart. A heart that can be cold, a heart that can be closed, a heart that can be indifferent, I think can be totally conformed and changed as I behold the heart of God towards me. Isn't that powerful? Beholding the very heart, the very emotions of God to me can transform and absolutely turn my life radically around. 
Look at 3 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. Again, there's a similar thought. Colossians 3 verse 10. And we have and have put on the new man is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, it's through my knowing who God is, it renews me, it transforms me. It changes me from the person that I once was to the person who God wants me to be. As I behold, as I get to know him, as I really see who he really is, it begins to instantly, totally change my life. Listen, just one little word, breathed by the Holy Spirit into your heart, has the ability to transform your life forever. Can you say amen? Just, just that little word, just one word, just one word breathed by God, has the power, the ability to transform your heart forever. Here is, I think, the issue. We focus, I think, so often, we focus on becoming rather than beholding. We're trying to become something. And we focus on trying to become something. But you never become something until you first behold. And if you don't behold, you don't become. In other words, you're struggling, you're striving, you put on effort, you put in all kinds of, of stuff into your life. You're trying harder, you're trying harder, you're trying harder, and you're trying harder. And the more harder you try, the harder it is. Because you're trying to be something you can't become unless you first behold. If you would learn to behold, then eventually you're going to become. But if you try and become, you'll never really be able to become that which you've not beholding. Can you say that? Do I understand that? Yes, I do. But and that's what God wants for you today. He wants you to say, come and just behold how much I love you. Come and behold how, how full of joy. You know, God is the most joyful person ever. In his presence is what? fullness of joy. And so I perceive, I, I, I behold God as a God of joy. And the more I behold God as a God of joy, it makes me incredibly joyful. I begin to behold that God's good, and he's good all the what, time. And the more I behold the goodness of God, the more it transforms my heart. And I begin to start doing things that are good. I'm not struggling and striving to do that. It becomes natural to me because that's what I'm becoming. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. You see, what God looks for you is that that becomes your natural everyday lifestyle. Everyday life, you're full of joy and, and peace and you're full of love and you're reflecting your everyday life, the life of Jesus. Because that's what you've beheld in your heart. But if you've never beheld it, you'll never become it. You'll strive and you'll struggle, and every time you'll fail, because that's not where it really happens. It happens in the place of where? Beholding. Beholding his glory. The glory of the living God. I'm saying this one, really. It's cultivating God's affections towards you. Allowing that to get hold of you. Now, here's the point. If you don't do that, I'll tell you what's going to happen. 
you will live your life under condemnation. You will live your life trying to live a performance-based Christianity. How many people have lived so much of their life trying to perform? And it never, ever quite seems enough. I remember years ago when I was first saved. And I messed up, I failed, and I felt so condemned over it. So I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put tracks. And I lived in a block of flats, eight stories high. I'm going to put tracks through every single door in that block of flats, just to make up for where I felt I'd failed. So I do a one block of flats. Then something in my heart says, you know, that's not enough. So I then do a second block of flats. And something in my heart didn't feel that was enough either. So before I knew where I was, I was doing 20-story blocks of flats, trying to ease the guilt and the condemnation that I felt. And it never worked. Because I never really beheld the grace, the mercy of the living God. I was trying to perform. And the more you try to perform, it never seems quite good enough. You say, you know what, I'm going to pray for an hour. And you pray for an hour, and you think, you know what, I should pray for two hours. I should worship for two hours. And you just keep, and it's all striving and struggling, and it never really achieves the goal, because it always begins with you recognizing and beholding how merciful, how gracious, how awesome, how powerful, how great God is. So all the condemnation, all the guilt that often we struggle with, it's just lifted. And I no longer have to strive, effort, struggling. It's just saying, Lord, I just behold how amazing, how awesome you are, how much I'm loved by you, how much I'm appreciated by you, how good, how awesome you really are. And that gets a hold of my heart. It grips my heart. And as it grips my heart, it transforms the person that I am. Amen. I'm beheld the very glory of the Lord. Here's what I found. You give power to what you give attention to. You give authority to what you give power, to what you give your attention to. So here's the thing. If I give my attention to my own inferiorities, my own rejection, my own sorrows and griefs, I give a lot of attention to my problems. I begin to give power to the problems. I begin to give power to worry. I begin to give power to anxiety because that's what I give my attention to. What I give my attention to actually begins then to have authority over me. Worry has authority over me. Rejection has authority over me. Inferiority has authority over me because that's what I give my attention to. And what I give my attention to ultimately has power over me. But can you imagine what happens if I give my attention to Jesus? I focus on him. I center on who he is. That begins to have power over me. And that begins to give me authority over the circumstances I'm facing in life. What a powerful truth. What I give attention to is what I give power to. How do you want to give power to Jesus? Then give him your attention. Give him the center of your focus. And you will give him power to overcome those things in your life. Whatever you focus on, whatever your attention is, that's where your power will lie. You know what it begins to do as well? See, have you noticed this? That when I give my attention to my problems, have you found that kind of a negative emotions rise up in you? Fear, anxiety, 
All negative emotions begin to rise up because of what I give my focus to. The more I give focus to my problems, the more these negative emotions begin to rise up in me. Here's what the Bible says. I will give you perfect what? Peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee? In other words, when I make God my, my attention, my focus, all kinds of powerful, positive emotions rise up in me. Incredible sense of peace. Incredible sense of well-being, wholeness. Because all the negative emotions rise up within me because of what I focus on. But on the positive side, all the positive things rise up when I focus on God. Isn't that amazing? How many feel that you're really overwhelmed by all kinds of negative emotions that dominate and rule your life? You respond, you react in all kinds of ways, and you can't seem to overcome it. The harder you try to overcome it, the stronger it seems to be. But if you would focus on God, he promises he's going to give you a peace, a perfect peace, wholeness, shalom, will work and move in you because of what you give your attention to. Can you say amen? amen. And there's a second thing about the word glory. I'll quickly move on. The second word of that word glory, to behold his glory, secondly means, the, and I love this, the manifest presence of God. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent, is that right? He's everywhere. From the pub to your workplace, wherever, God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But he is not manifested in his presence everywhere. His manifest presence isn't everywhere. And the glory, really, is the manifest presence of God. It's where God really feels real. I mean, if you ever felt that, where you just feel and sense his reality. God feels really real. Not someone distant, but really real. That's the glory of God. His manifest, real presence. Can you say amen? amen. Last year, it was last year, was it? no, it still was this year, actually. We went to Universal Studios in Florida. How many have been there? Have you been there? Remember that? Now, we went on one called Spider-Man. <laughs> and it's 3D, this Spider-Man, it's 3D. It's one of these rides I went on, and I just want to get a hold of the person who told me to go on it, because I was hot, hated it. Because it's, 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 what, it's what they call 3D. In other words, there's, there's depth to it. It really feels real. And part of this Spider-Man kind of ride, if you like, is a kind of, is a kind of, a kind of one of these simulate, stimulate, simulator things that you, you sit in, and it takes you different places. And... And everything appears, and Spider-Man appears, all kinds of things appear, and it actually feels so real, you can actually touch it. The worst part of it is they take you to this, as you, it's not really happening, but it appears so real, you think it is happening. It takes you to this high-rise block of flats, or rise offices, and drops you from it. And you see yourself falling quick. Everything passing by, and you're just going really, really quick down. And your whole stomach kind of goes with it, and that's the moment you think... If I could find the person who told me to go on this, I want to kind of kill them for going on And you're going down and down and down. Suddenly this web, this kind of spider web gets hold of you and holds you up. It seems so real. You feel sick. You just, if you think you want the rapture to come right there at that moment, it's that horrible kind of feeling because it seems so real. God wants to give you, if I can put this way, a 3D experience, amen, where you begin to sense, God, you are so real.
Because it's in the presence of God ultimately that you're transformed. You're not transformed by some clever psychological analyst. You're not transformed by some clever means or ways. The only way you're ultimately ever really changed and transformed is by the glory. You see that? It's by the presence of God. That's what Paul says. It's beholding and experiencing and encountering the presence of God that ultimately your heart will be changed and conformed forever. Amen? That's where you're changed. That's where you're conformed by the presence of God. In fact, the actual, this will impress you, the actual Hebrew word for glory is the word kabad. And that means weightiness. The weightiness of God. God's weightiness. I think we're living in a world that's kind of shaken all around. People are struggling. People all around are struggling. Everything's been shaken. Everything's kind of fallen apart in their life. What the glory does, it anchors you to God's love. And you can feel held down. You can feel strong and secure because the glory of God is your weightiness. In a world that seems to be blown around all over the place, the glory of God holds you weighty and touches your heart. Yeah. Anybody have ever hit the hammer? You know the first thing you do when you hit when you, when, when you're, when you when something when you hit yourself with something, the first thing you do is you grab it. Is that right? You put pressure on it. And God this morning says, I want to put some pressure on you. I want to put some glory on your hurt, on your pain, on your sorrow. I want to put some glory on it. Because when I put some weightiness on it, when I put some glory on it, that's what's going to heal. That's what's going to restore. That's what heals the pain. That's what heals all the stuff that we go through in life. It's the glory. It's the presence of God that begins to work and touch and move and touch our hearts. How many want the presence? We can't manufacture it. We can't pump it up. All we can do is attract it. We attract his presence. Our worship attracts. It draws the presence. I think when we have hunger in our hearts, the more hungry we are, hunger attracts. Hunger draws the presence. If our hearts aren't hungry, we're not liable to attract much much presence. But when I'm really hungry for God, and I'm really hungry for His presence, God's glory is drawn to the heart of hunger. That's such an important thing, that we say, God, would you enable me to cultivate a heart of hunger? Because if I'm not hungry, I'm not going to have much of His presence. The more hungrier I am, the more I begin to draw the glory. The more I begin to draw His presence. Smith Wigglesworth, I love what he said, it says, to hunger and thirst after righteousness is when nothing in the world can fascinate me as much as being near to God. You have as much of God as you want, really. I hunger, I thirst for his presence. I'm building a life that says, God, I welcome your presence as I worship you, as I hunger for your presence, as I say, Lord, I want more and more and more of your presence. I can't live without your presence. I've got to have more and more of your presence. And the more that works in me, the more that stirs in me, it's like a magnet. It begins to draw the presence. The presence just begins to move and work and grow in you. The Bible says, he gives you the desires of your heart. Is that right? Desire comes from attention. 
So I behold him, I give my attention to him, and he stirs in me a greater hunger and a greater longing for his presence. Can you say amen? A hungry heart will always draw the glory of the living God. Can I give you one last verse? I think this is awesome. I think this is just such an incredible... I think it's so deep, nobody's ever really grasped the, 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 the real truth of this scripture. John 14, verse 20. Can you see the depth of this verse? At that day you will know that I'm in the Father... You in me, and I in you. Wow. Look at how deep that is. I'm in the Father. You're in me, and I'm in you. Wow. Ultimately, where is the glory? And think about it. Where is it? Some people have this kind of idea. It's kind of somewhere boom, out there somewhere. Part of that glory, really, the real reality is, the Bible says, it's Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. So actually the glory actually is within you. He in you, you in him. And I think if we could get a hold of that, if that reality would get a hold of us, I'm in him, he's in me. Jesus is saying that whatever I do, it's based on my union with my Father. I only speak the words the Father gives me to speak. I only do the works the Father gives me to do. I'm in union with Father. When he speaks, I respond. When he tells me to do something, I do it. I only do what I see the Father doing because of my union with Father. And I think the central truth of Christianity is I'm in the Father, you in me, and I in you. You are, Jesus says, you are the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. This uniting, this coming together. And I think without this concept, we'll never really live a transformed life. We think it's something to do with me out there trying to do something. Rather than realizing Jesus in me, me in him, him in me. Jesus is like this. It's rather like your thumb. Your thumb is connected to your body. And because your thumb is connected to your body, it responds to the impulses of what you tell, your mind tells it to do, the, ner you know, the various nervous systems. And your thumb, as long as it's connected to your hand, will just respond. It will do incredible things. Simply because, not because it's an independent thumb, but because of its connection. And Jesus, the Bible says, we are one spirit with the Lord. We are his body, is that right? So here's the point. As I have a union, as I'm really, really connected to Jesus, I can do things that I cannot normally do. You know what grace really is, don't you? Grace is God empowering you to do what you could not normally do. 
I term it this way. It's Jesus in me doing what I could not do myself. That's what grace really is. So as I'm connected to Jesus, and I realize my union with him, I can do things far beyond my own ability. I know my love. How many realize you? How many feel your love's at times weak? I can love people, not with my love, which is so weak. I can love people with the love of Jesus. I can know a joy, even when everything's fallen apart in my life, I can know the joy of Jesus in my heart. I can know a peace when the storms are hitting my life, yet I can have the peace of Jesus in the midst of it. Because I'm in him and he's in me. I'm not living this life in my own ability and power. I'm living this life through the Christ in me. Paul says, I don't live any longer. But it's Christ who lives in me. I can do all things through Christ, through my unity, through my connection with Jesus. I can do everything God asked me to do. I can do it. Not because I'm anything special, but because of union, because of connection. That's the case then. Why is it? We don't love like we should love. Why is it we get overwhelmed by negative emotions? Why is it we get jealous of people? Why is it we get envious of people? Why is it we respond in a way we don't want to respond? Why do we find ourselves being the person we don't really want to be? Why is that? It's all down to connection. Because there can be certain things that disconnect me from the presence of Christ within me. Unforgiveness disconnects me. Unconfessed sin disconnects me. Certain negative emotions disconnect me. A distorted view of God disconnect me. They disconnect me from my connection with Jesus. The branches connected to the vine bears fruit. Branches cut off from the vine bears no fruit. So if I'm not bearing the fruit that I should bear, there's something wrong with the connection. Is that right? There's nothing wrong with Jesus. Is that right? He's awesomely full of love. He's awesomely full of peace. He's awesomely full of power. So the problem never lies with Jesus. It's down to my connection. So I've got to say, is there something that's disconnecting me from the vine? It's an unbelief in my heart. Unbelief disconnects me. Unforgiveness, bitterness, it disconnects me. Self-sufficiency disconnects me. Trying to do everything in my own power, my own strength, disconnects me. But faith connects me. Union comes from communion. So as I begin to communion with him, I spend time with him, I worship him. I spend time in his word. Through the union comes through the communion. And there's a final third thing. Jesus, if you keep my word, then the Father will love you. I will love you. And here's the word you want you to see. I will manifest myself to you. Isn't that powerful? That word manifest means Jesus says, I'm going to make myself so real to you. I'll be more real to you than anyone you can actually physically know or see. I've never physically seen Jesus. Oh, but so many times I've felt him. As a nice Yorkshire saying, 
better felt than telt. In other words, as I begin to connect more and more with him, the more I begin to feel, the more I begin to experience his presence. And the more I begin to experience his presence, the more I'm being changed more and more into his image. They often say, I don't know how true it is. <laughs> this came to my head. This, but they often say that man, the husband often becomes like the wife. And the wife often can become like the husband. Now, I can see some of the ladies in terror right there. Their face is absolutely in terror. But often it's amazing how through your relationship, it, it just changes, is that right? It, it, it changes because of, of the union, because of the connection there. It brings change in the life. It's got to happen. You know, it, it kind of happens. I don't know if that's it, but I'll escape quickly after this service. But the point is, is that kind of union, that connection. The more I get connected to Jesus, the more unified I am with him, the more he's going to change me, the more he's going to conform me. The more I'm going to be, more and more like Jesus. What's the world looking for, ultimately saying? They're not looking for a clever service. They're not looking for, for clever Christians, really. They're looking for people like Jesus. That's really what they want. They want to see Jesus in you. They want to see his peace. They want to see his joy. They want to see somebody living like Jesus. And I believe, ultimately, it's totally and completely possible for us to be like Jesus. If it's not, then we've lost the whole purpose of it all. Because the Bible says we've been, the whole way we, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And right now, let's just stand right now before him. Let's just come before him right now. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart right now and say, Lord, today, just please come and change me. I want to be like Jesus. I'm beholding in a mirror. May not be a, a perfect reflection, but I'm beholding Jesus. And Jesus is the one I want to be like. I want to be like him. I want to act like him. I want to do the things that he did. I want to walk as he walked. I want to live as he lived. I want to do the works he did. Lay hands on the sick. Do the miracles. Do the things, the kind of things he did. I believe it's possible for every believer. Jesus says, it didn't say if you're a, a particular prophet or anything else. It says, if you're a believer, then you can do things. You can lay hands on the sick. You can do amazing things just simply by being a believer. Just being, by being connected to Jesus. And maybe today you're aware of things that disconnect you. Things in your heart that disconnect you from that union. Things that have, things that have become blockages, that have blocked the, the, the connection. Just say, Lord, take, remove that disconnection. I just want to be so in union with Jesus. I want to feel his presence. I want to see his heart and his love and his fiery emotions towards me today. Holy Spirit, we just want you to come into this place this morning. Our yearning, the cry of our heart today is that we want to be like Jesus. Lord, we, we can't change ourselves. We can't transform ourselves through our own self-will, through our own, our own efforts and our own, our own human strength. We can't do it. We need your glory 
to change us today. Lord, I pray, Lord, give us the ability today to behold your fiery affections for every heart and every life. And I pray, let your presence today come upon every heart, every life, that we would so be changed and transformed in a world that's falling apart, that we would burst forth the very light, the very glory of God. And we say over every life today, arise, shine, for the glory has come. Arise, shine, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just receive right now. I just want you just very simply to say, Lord, I receive. I receive your presence right now. I receive your, your glory. I don't struggle, I don't struggle. I just simply receive it. Just simply receive what the Lord has for you right now. Let him breathe his breath on you. And just simply receive what he has for your heart and for your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just receive it. Just receive the touch of Jesus. Just receive his touch. One touch from him will change your life forever. One touch from his presence. One touch from his glory. Your body's healed. Minds are made whole. Addictions are broken. Things that so hold us and grip us are just broken from our lives. And we receive from Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.